What's up, podcast listeners? Podcast number four coming at you. So here we have Claire Bacon. She is more bacon than Bob Bacon, and she is a triathlete. She's a clinical nutritionist. She's got it going on. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk to Claire in just a moment, and she's going to be on fire regarding performance, nutrition, uh, recovery, you know, just everything that athletes have questions about. What I really want to dive into to start with is with our weekend warriors, the people that want to work Monday through Friday, they want to sit at a desk or just do their, their daily sport, whatever that uh, particular job is. And then come on the weekend, they want to act like they're 20 again. And so, you know, we talk about things that help to aid in performance and recovery. So what do you think about chiropractic? We just kind of just hit it off the top getting adjusted before you go and perform activities and just that side of the performance. What do you think, Claire? Right. So yeah, that's the thing. Like we're not 20 anymore. And so the things that we used to get away with back then, now it's not so easy. And so um, it's been said that sitting is like one of the most harmful things that you can do to your body. But unfortunately, I mean, that's, that's the lifestyle that a lot of us lead, you know? So I mean, even if you can manage to work out in the morning or work out in the evening after work, if you spend your entire, you know, eight to 10 or more hours a day sitting, I mean, that's, I mean, it's hard to overcome the, um, the effects of what that's doing to your body. So let's say, you know, if you have a busy week and, and you're not able to fit in, you know, a, a decent amount of actual workouts, you can actually get up from your desk, do some stretching you know, uh, put your, put your arms back, lift your chest, you know, stretch out, um, your hip flexors, like do something just like real quickly at your desk for just a couple minutes, um, to overcome, you know, that seated position where you're shortening your, uh, your hip flexors all day long. So let's say if you've got some kind of event coming up on the weekend, you know, maybe it's, you know, like running a 5k or, you know, or maybe you're going to go do a group run with your friends and you want to be strong and you want to keep up. Like if I have um, an event that I know I want to perform well at, I will get adjusted before that event to make sure that my nervous system and my muscles and joints, everything is functioning properly, you know, and then on, on the other side, let's say if I have a big event or I go, push myself or do a longer workout than normal on the weekends and I'm very sore afterwards, I will use chiropractic immediately to get rid of 90% of all of that soreness and restore my body to the way that it should be, you know, to the way that it was prior to the workout, prior to beating myself up. So I want people to understand that they don't have to have like pain and suffering you know, to push through in order to make progress if they're trying to get more fit and healthy. I want them to know, to like to realize that chiropractic puts your body into a state of optimal performance so that you can use that for better wellness, better and quicker recovery, and also better performance, even if you're only pushing yourself maybe like once or twice a week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we talk about performance. We talk about the functional assessment and the idea behind functioning better. And if you go into a 5K or whatever, like you said, the event might be, wouldn't you want to be performing at your best? 
and instead of just leaving it to the default of that week of being sore, the hips a little heavy, the knees achy. I mean, who wants to go run a 5K with a, with a sore knee or an ankle that just feels throbbing? So when we do our adjustments in our chiropractic care, we, we really stand behind the idea of assessing the function prior to that event. Whatever's weak, we want to make it strong. If it's hypomobile, like in a sense of it's not moving properly, it's restricted, it's locked up, it's not, it's not moving because it's subluxated, the idea is to put it in motion and get that vitality back in that joint so that it performs better. And mm -hmm. if you're going to go run and, and, and how many steps per mile, let's talk about that, 2,500, I mean, is the average. So if you're going to run a 5K, that's three miles. I mean, that's 7,500 to 8,000 steps a more in above what you're used to. So if you're not getting up and moving from your desk, like simple 20-minute walk at lunch, why not? You know, get up, move, 20 minutes a day helps reduce your risk of disease, according to Chestnut and some studies. Um, we're talking about massive reduction in uh, overall disease rates by 70%, just walking 20 minutes a day. I mean, who doesn't have 20 minutes to invest in walking around the block, the park, make it enjoyable, have fun with it? You know, like we talked about before, exercise should be fun and enjoyable. And the weekends, if you want to go and play and be a kid again, I mean, let's be honest, running cycling, swimming, i.e. a triathlon, that's just being a kid again because that's things we used to do when we were young. But now we're doing it competitively and we're doing it to a larger scale, whether it's one or all of those parts, Tough Mudders, Spartan Races, all that stuff starting to catch up because we just enjoy moving. And to keep you moving on the weekends, you've got to take care of that Monday through Friday. Train, take care of your body. I mean, we'll, we'll dive into nutrition. Bob and I have a, a segment on that coming up soon. But, I mean, the, the clinical nutritional needs, and that's something Claire can talk to you about in one-on-one, um, -on -one, it's what do you need for your demands in your sport? And if that's running, cycling, swimming, all the above, tough mutters, we got to get to some level of performance with chiropractic care before and after. I think that's critical. I mean, that's something I've been doing before and after most of my events. And at 40, I'm able to go and run and play and do the things I want to run sprint triathlons. The last podcast we talked about, we came off a weekend. Uh, Claire took first in her age, right? right. Or in your, your category. And, and yes, and you did very well as well at your race. So that was a really fun conversation with like our and, trophies. And it was, but the the thing about Claire is that she's the one to follow because in her abilities, she's very humble about it. But I mean, she's the person that's ahead of most, if not all. And when you talk to somebody like that, you want to know kind of some of the hints. So now let's get into a little higher level performance, Claire. Somebody that's going to maybe compete on a regular basis. And I don't know, everybody's philosophy is different. I don't think you should do more than like, four or five major events in a year, I think that can tank your adrenals. And if you're constantly competing elite level, I just think that's a bit much to do on a monthly basis. I think your body needs health and, and repair and recovery. So let's talk a little bit more about somebody who's competing on a regular basis like yourself. Right. So um, you've got a good point there, you know, and I have been doing this like a number of years, like um, almost 20 years. I've been um, doing 
triathlons. And when I first started out, I enjoyed racing like every two weeks because I wasn't strong enough or fast enough to keep up with my friends. And I always felt like I was holding them back. But in a race situation, it was like a closed street environment. And there, there was a set course with water on the course and there were a whole bunch of other people. So it was like a very safe environment for me to do training essentially on my own, but with other people. Okay. So, but, so that was good for me at the time, but it turned out to be very expensive to be signing up for races like every two weeks. And so, you know, over the course of time, it's, it's been better to train and get strong enough so that I can keep up with people and go do workouts for free. So that's really good. Um, but really like kind of the point I want to make is when you go out and you do these things like this is for enjoyment. You know, the majority of us, the vast majority of us are not getting paid. So if you're going to go out and push yourself hard, you want to meet your goals and you want to feel like a gazelle, like maybe not necessarily a cheetah, but you want to feel like your body is moving. You want to feel like you're loose and you're free and that you can breathe. And if you, when you hit your tempo, you're just like flying and you just love it. Like that's going to put a smile on your face. And something that I see in a lot of the events that I do, um, it doesn't matter if it's a 5k, 10k half marathon, like whatever, I'll see people out there on the course who I can tell are not getting chiropractic adjustments. They're not taking care of their body in between their events. They're not getting massage and taking care of all the damage to their soft tissue. And they look like it. Like they look like they're hurting. They're hunched over. They're not going fast. They're just kind of shuffling. And, you know, maybe they're, they're still proud of themselves. Like they're still getting some enjoyment in that way. But, but in the moment at the time, it really kind of looks like it hurts them. And so, um, you know, I kind of, you know, want to go over and say something to them, you know, like drop a business card or something like you guys really got to get in, you know, and see an awesome chiropractor because it can make a huge difference. So performance wise, like, like sometimes, you know, you can see those people and you're like, oh my gosh, like this person really needs help. Um, but anyway, if you've got that under control and let, let's say, you know, one of your clients, you know, who's moving great, exercising great, and just wants to know like what, what they can do to get to the next level. Number one, I would say you've got to consider like how much inflammation and damage you're doing to your body, like just from the course of doing all the exercise. So if you can take your diet, you know, down a notch, like take the inflammation out of your diet, things like gluten and dairy um, and other potential food allergens that could be causing some digestive distress, causing some pain in the joints, causing some like maybe foggy you know, foggy head and thinking and stuff like that. Like you can definitely make some good improvements by bringing down the inflammatory levels um, by, by what you're consuming in your diet. So there, there could be some room for tweaking there. Um, in addition, like a lot of athletes are really into the beets and the beet juice right now, and it really does work. So one of my favorite supplements is Cardio Plus because it's a combination of some tissue oxygenating factors and heart extracts. Um, it really helps prevent cramping and it really helps open up the lungs and get more oxygen into, into the blood so that you can basically, so you can breathe easier doing an aerobic workout. But, you know, if you happen to run out of your cardio plus, or if you just happen to forget it on your way to a race, say, 
um, pick up some beet juice and consume um, some beet juice like before the event and maybe some diluted with water like during the event. And you may really be surprised like how much better you get through the event, like just with breathing, you know, and preventing muscle cramps. Like who doesn't want that, right? Yeah, exa exactly. I mean, that it's an all natural alternative to some of the like pre-workouts and the heavy, um, mega dosing of vitamins in i mean i i get that vitamins are good for you but they're synthetic and they're mega dosed and there's you know excessive amounts of amino acids um taurine for example was brought to my attention so a friend of mine who developed a product on the market it's called epno um john gamble he was talking about a, a colleague of his that literally dropped out of a heart attack because of excessive use of uh, energy drinks and he was the kind of guy that was consuming four or five a day at work so imagine what he's doing at home before work but I mean we think of these things as not natural but it's it's in a can it's in a grocery store it's in a gas station it's sold legally there's no ID necessary so but when you realize uh, overconsumption of that stuff it has a has an effect and it's like over uh, borrowing on your credit card, you just you you overspend it, and then it's maxed out, and you get declined. And then when you go to demand of your body, let's say on a weekend, on a course, just even this guy at work, I mean, he was a li uh, literally just loading stuff in a loading dock, and just keeled over. So when you look at like cheating the system and 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 going outside of natural, and doing synthetic things like um, I don't know, there's so many pre-workouts on the market and they're just I mean they make you feel numb tingly and just weird I mean I, I did one one time and that was it I mean like my face went numb I, scr I scratched my cheeks off I mean I, it, to me it didn't make sense I didn't want to lift I didn't want to run I just want to sit like a crackhead in the corner and just it was weird I mean like I don't understand why people do like hyperdosing of that stuff so when you're talking about beats and for example the Russians and a lot of uh, Slovakian regions that lift heavy they're heavy in beets and uh, root vegetables, and we talk about this all the time. I mean, I'm from the my people are from the Ukraine. They're uh, they're immigrants from the Ukraine and just outside of Russia. But I mean, when I talk to them and listen to their work ethic, how they lift, move, we talk about movement as um, you know part of daily life. These people walked everywhere they went, and they had different lifestyles, but they ate a lot of beets and root vegetables and greens, things that were cheap but super nutrient dense. And I mean, you don't have to get extravagant with your diet. I mean, just eat simple root vegetables and things that are even vegetarian. I mean, a, a plant-based diet isn't a bad idea to re reduce inflammation. I mean, we're obsessed with protein in this country. I mean, you don't need 600 grams of protein with every workout because you did, you know, a, an arm workout or something crazy like that. So, you know, w when you look at the, the cumulative effect on your kidneys, Claire, would you agree that I mean, there's some like daily stressors that need to be dealt with between liver and kidneys. So maybe supplementation might be a good idea for that, right? Well, yeah, of course. Um, the, the trouble is that people just don't know. They don't know what supplementation they need and they don't know why they feel so poorly. Some people are so depleted because it, you know, it really sneaks up on you. You know, it sneaks up on you like over the period of years where you know you're just steadily getting a little less healthy less healthy and your immune system is getting a little more suppressed and the body's not dealing with things that it needs to be 
um, eliminating and flushing out. And it's just not. And then, you know, one day you wake up and you're 40 and you're just like, oh, you know, life sucks. And I guess this is just what 40 is supposed to feel like, you know, and like people come into my office and they're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm about to turn 40 and I guess I'm just going to be old and I just want to slap them, you know, I'm older than you. I've got tons of energy. I'm doing great. You know, I'm at the weight where I want to be. Like, I'm like, shut up. What are you talking about? You can't talk like that. It has nothing to do with age. It has to do with how many years have you been, you know, poisoning yourself unknowingly, feeding yourself the wrong things, not moving the way that you should have been. Okay. And so that's like, not to be harsh. Like, I don't want to be like mean. I wouldn't, you know, say it like that, but that that's what we're trying to coach somebody and give them you know, baby steps and action steps that they can do to slowly get healthier over a period of time. So like you mentioned the thing about the energy drinks and, you know, some people are just so depleted and they're so desperate. They love and they get addicted to that, that sugar rush, but it's just a very quick, it's a very quick feeling of energy, but it's not actually energy. It's not actually feeding your mitochondria, the powerhouse of your cells, like, to give it what it needs to produce more lasting energy. Um, and so basically what we try to help these people do is break that cycle of carbohydrates. And we have some specific supplements that can help do that and make that more comfortable. But to break the cycle of constantly putting sugar into the body, it's just like kindling on a fire. It just like burns out really quickly. And we've got to change the body and convert it into like a fat burner. And so if you can imagine, you know, building a fire, you start it with the kindling, but you've got to put that big log on there and eventually the log will catch and then it will burn for a long period of time. So those are your fats and your proteins. You know, people get all excited about, you know, eating tons of protein, but they forget about how healthy it is to have, you know, avocado, avocado oil, coconut oil. Like there are, there are lots of other healthy fats to cook your food in besides olive oil butter is awesome you know yes. yes it is and you know when you talk about that let, let's just take a break for a moment because so many people pre-event don't they want to carb load and they focus on the carbohydrate um, storage but I read an article and it was based on the idea you're talking about now which is the ability to produce energy from stored fat and that's something that I believe intermittent fasting definitely it starts that process. It gets your body used to going through fasting stages to um, break down body fat and also to convert that into stored energy. But you know, early in the week, I try and like fat load, I call it, which is basically Monday through Wednesday, it's a higher fat diet. It's more nuts, more avocados, more like the good healthy fats that you might cook with salad dressings with. Um, I mean, I had some amazing uh, Greek uh, olive oil from this weekend. It was from Greece, and it was from these olives only grown in Greece. And it was, dude, it was ridiculous. It was on this uh, quinoa and uh, kale and broccolini salad with some sweet potatoes. We had some wild Alaskan um, salmon flown in from Alaska from some patients of ours. So this fish was swimming last week, and we're now sauteing it and it was i had mine rare i mean it was amazing and the healthy fats that we talk about it's not about fried chicken french fries i love some chick-fil-a on a sunday even though they're closed 
that's the only day I crave it. So it's good. But the reality is we, we don't, we don't look at fats equal in this side of the game in the wellness side. When I talk about fat, I get excited. I love fat in my coffee. Uh, I, yes, I want a bulletproof coffee. It's amazing. If you throw some, some like grass fed butter in there and some MCT oil and spin it in a blender and it tastes like a cappuccino. I mean, it's, it's delicious. But when you talk about fats, it's, it's not a bad thing. And let's get over that because the whole low fat diet for the last 30 years has produced so many neurodegenerative diseases. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. My family stroke, uh, Alzheimer's Parkinson's. I'm, I'm sick of this. Shit. I mean, if you don't get healthy fats in your diet, there's another F-bomb. I'm sick of it because when your own family strokes out when you're 10 years old and your grandmother is no longer the same person, let's talk about that. Right. As a grandson, I lost my grandparents, both to stroke. I almost lost my mom to heart disease. I mean, I'm getting transparent and emotional because this is real for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw fat in my brain. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to keep my heart rate healthy. My resting heart rate currently is around 50 to 55 beats a minute. Too low, some would say, but when you're healthy and you can bike 60 miles, when you can run a 5K in 22 minutes, I mean, let's talk about fitness. And the healthy parameters, Claire, would you agree, are different. I mean, blood pressure, and cholesterol and overall like blood chemistry, which Bob said is even just a moment in time, it changes. And when you're an athlete like yourself, you're super lean, you're super healthy, super fit. I mean, when people look at that, they don't understand what that means to their overall longevity. So let's talk about being an athlete for life. Because if you wanna do this for another 15, 20 years, which I'm assuming you could, right. you have to take care of yourself daily and on a weekly, regular basis. So um, talk to me a little bit more about things that you do for recovery and help people understand after the race, what you do besides getting adjusted, like what are some of your routines and some of your other things that you do? Well, okay. So like what you mentioned about consuming healthy fats, you know, that's huge. And people don't really need to be scared of eating things with fat in them, you know, like, um, Avocados are a huge staple in my diet. Butter, I'm sure I have every single day. I love putting MCT oil, which is the liquid coconut oil, in my coffee as well. Um, because healthy fats help the brain function better, and they're very anti-inflammatory. Okay, so who doesn't want that? Um, you mentioned, you know, like Alzheimer's and dementia, like those types of processes. Um, the degenerative conditions are considered to be diabetes type 3 among the holistic practitioners when we talk about this kind of stuff. You know, they are largely due to consuming too many grains. And so I just want to put this, this thing about carb loading to rest because you really don't need it. Like unless you're actually doing Ironman level triathlons and you're going to be out there exercising, for 12 plus hours a day, you don't really need to have, you know, a foundation of your diet being like pasta constantly. Your liver holds, your liver, everybody's liver, like naturally holds hours and hours of glucose ready to go, like ready for your body to just release when you need it. 
And so, you know, I mean, I understand like the feeling of bonking, like where you run out of like your blood sugar because you've done too long of a workout. I can tell you most people are not doing that kind of a workout. You don't need to be um, carb loading the night before and then slamming like a, a cliff bar or something or like a super high sugar protein shake before a race and then sucking down goose halfway through because you're afraid you know because you want to top out your muscle glycogen or something like most people are just not using that up and it's okay to kind of push the limits so it's okay cool. to, to to train like on a, on a relaxed day where you're getting to know your body it's okay to train with water in your water bottle without having some kind of engineered supplement in there. And it's okay to take some snacks like with you on a long workout, maybe, you know, like um, a couple of figs or a couple of dates, or maybe, you know, like some dried fruit or like a homemade protein bar. Um, like there are lots of good recipes that you can make like with almond butter and dates and stuff like that, but you don't necessarily have to be like stuff in your face before, during, and after it, you know, it's okay. Just make sure you get enough fluid in, um, maybe, you know, put a little bit of sea salt in your water. If you're a heavy sweater, like you can definitely get like a lot more technical. Um, you can do sweat testing and check and see like exactly what's coming out of your body. If you want to you know, get super specific, but you know, for the average weekend warrior just wants to get in better shape. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Um, and eating whole foods is never going to steer you wrong. It's just, it's just not. Um, and so I really want to remind people to eat healthy fats. Don't be scared of fats. Don't be scared of healthy pastured eggs um, because your dietary cholesterol only makes up about 25% of what you see in your blood when you go get tested. Okay. So pretty much everybody can handle eating some healthy eggs um, and getting some good choline and fats to help their brains run better. Oh, absolutely. You know, and one thing that I know we talked about this, um, the idea behind uh, heavy, large amounts of greens, you know, greens contain chlorophyll, which makes it green. Chlorophyll and human blood are very similar. So the body really absorbs a lot of that chlorophyll and it can convert it into blood builders later on down the road in a, in a few simple processes physiologically. So when you think about, like if you were to go, let's say pre-race, if you did a few shots of wheatgrass and wheatgrass, which is about the equivalent of two pounds of raw leafy vegetables, if you took that in and naturally over the next couple of days started to build more blood cells and have a, a healthier start to the race, you'd be better off than like trying to cheat the system with a bunch of sugars and like alternative type uh, sweeteners and things like that. And there's a lot of, you know, man-made drinks, but what I want to talk about next is, so I have a question because this is an event I'm, I'm contemplating coming up. I'm going to do it in eight weeks. Um, I want to do a century on a bike. So we're talking about seven and a half hours on a bicycle. So that's a little different than what we've been talking about with Weekend Warriors. So let's kind of play into that, Claire, because I want to be selfish. I don't want to die. And in 100 miles is scary, but the fact that my dad did it when he was my age, I feel like that competitive 
like dad, son, I've got to do this and I want to do it faster. I want to do it better. And I, I just feel like I can because I'm so prepared. I've been riding a lot lately. I've been doing a lot of 20 to 60 mile rides. Um, that's kind of my weekly training, but I really need some concern and help with like fuel before and after. Like this is an endurance race where I'm burning an hour, about a thousand calories. So this is different than what you're talking about. Uh, all right. So like a century rod is a little bit different, um, but the key to this is going to be preparation. So, you know, you're at a level where you are right now and you need to continue building up your mileage. Um, it's a big jump to go from 80 miles to 100 miles. You know, so you, it like if someone's not perfectly well trained, you go out there and you can get through 80 miles like pretty decently if most of what you've been doing is say, say like in the 65 mile range doing group rides and stuff like that. Um, but a century ride totally changes after mile 80. And it's gonna be key to be able to keep up with your friends so that you have someone to draft behind. Um, so it, I mean, it does mean you're gonna to have to like pick up, pick up the mileage, um, but you don't necessarily have to increase like the breakfast beforehand or the dinner beforehand because key is just going to um, to be to have like that the muscles to be capable and strong enough and you have to keep your nutrition right during the event like with that long of an event you want to make sure that it's not such a stress on your system to get through that amount of like physical expenditure that you want to still have some digestive capacity while the event is going on. Um, so for this, uh, you'll, you'll need something else besides water and a little sea salt in your water bottle. Um, but of course you don't want to do anything new on the day of the event. So every training ride, all of your workouts, that's the time to experiment. And so, you know, you should find what you like, find what works for you. And also like, listen to your body. Like as you're going through four hour and five hour or longer rides, listen to your, your cravings, because that's kind of telling you what you're lacking and what your body needs. So if you finish a long workout and you're completely wiped out of energy and you're craving salt and you're so weak, you can't hardly stand up that's a clue that the adrenal glands are seriously missing out on the minerals that they need to run. If you, you know, make it to, you know, a store stop and you take a bathroom break and you're just like, oh, I'm dying for salt, go ahead and get a pack of crackers, get something that has salt on it, get some pretzels, like listen to your body. If you stop at an aid stop and all they've got is sugary stuff and you're craving pickles, or pickle juice, like, I mean, just note it for the next time what your body needs. Um, right. It will help you perform better. Most, most people do not drink enough water. Um, most people try to eat things like cliff bars that are going to be a little bit more difficult to digest when you're, you know, doing activity. It's better to have more calories and carbohydrates like actually in your water bottle that are easier to digest. But over that long a period of time, like your body can kind of give out on the sweet stuff and it can kind of, you know, upset your stomach and sometimes make you feel a little sick. So um, it's good to take um, a variety of snacks for a workout that that's long because at some point you're gonna want 
something salty, something sour, something maybe that's a little more um, bland, but just not sweet. And so that's an individual thing. Like everyone has to kind of experiment with, like, with what you like. Um, but the end of a century ride is very different from the middle stages. So that's a great goal. Um, I'm going to be really excited for you to complete that. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a milestone, and I think you're right. And it's something I'm playing around with with uh, nutrition and just eating on the bike. And uh, with the tour going on right now, you watch these guys with one of these these feed bags that are just like hand delivered from a car. They just they throw them this feed bag of food and they're expected to eat while they're on their bike. But no, I mean you're right. I mean it it comes a point where after 60, 70 miles, it's more than just liquid. You have to have some physical. You have to have some food. Um, and playing around with that on a, you know, a, a training ride is ideal. So, yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. So obviously getting adjusted before um, and after a lot of Cal Ammo, a lot of Cardio Plus. Um, I'm big on the SP Complete right now as like kind of my pre, uh, pre-ride meal and MCT oil. So that's kind of an ideal scenario for me. I digest uh, liquid better in the morning, so I don't like a lot of physical food. So I'm liquid until about 2, 2 p.m. with intermittent fasting. So I kind of feel like the ride's going to start at 7. And by, you know, noon, 1 o'clock, I'm going to want some, like, actual food. So we'll, we'll practice with some bars. There's some new ones on the market, and uh, the bike shop's got some really cool options. They're gluten-free, um, almond instead of peanut, which is definitely a lower inflammatory for me, less mucus. Um, non-dairy I'm doing the um, SP dairy complete uh, so with I mean the dairy free complete so that means um, pre-race I don't want any dairy I don't want anything that's gonna create congestion in my lungs uh, free lungs free capacity VO2 max is at the highest so when you do longer events think about these things these are little tidbits we're trying to drop into the conversation so whether you're just jumping on a bike for the weekend and you want to go hang out with your friends, do a little uh, like group ride. You want to go run an event, 5k, 10k, half marathon, full marathon. Um, one of my patients and friends at the gym, she wanted to do a half Ironman uh, wiry little thing. She like thought swimming in the pool is the same as swimming in the ocean. And she realized very quickly that swimming in the ocean is different. So when you're training for an event, be realistic and try and be as real as possible. Um, right now, I'm riding a bunch of hills. Um, I'm going crazy on elevation because I know my century uh, is a flat ride. So if I can ride 70, 80 miles in uh, you know thousands of feet of elevation, imagine um, you know a small elevation would equal easier rides. So overtrain in a sense of more hills if there's less in the event. Um, trying to think about these things that Claire and I are talking about, you know, food prep, um, don't play around with, you know, on race day, what you want to try new or different. That's a stupid idea. Um, you're going to end up either <laughs> DNFing or you're just going to shit your pants or something like that. I don't know. I mean, sometimes you never know what's going to happen race day. Um, right. we've all, we've all been nervous on race day, but when you do your first few, it gets easier after that. And, um, I don't know. This yeah. evening, uh, we want to talk about some training tips, and chiropractic was a big part of that because um, Claire, your husband's my chiropractor, and we talk about functional assessment. The idea is 
actually looking at how you're moving prior to the workout, prior to the event. So if early in the week you think there's an issue, deal with it. Um, do more mobility work, do more chiropractic uh, stretching, whatever needs to happen so uh, Friday night you're feeling Saturday morning, you'll be 100% and that's where you want to be uh, going into that event. And if not, you need to address it early in the week, don't wait. Um, I think a lot of people just kind of wing it and they just wake up, drink a cup of coffee, think they're going to just go out for a run and that's going to be the fastest 5K in their life. Um, just don't. Don't do that. Yeah, and um, exactly. I totally agree. Like people need to keep up with self-care. And if you're if you're trying to push your body more and you're demanding more from your body, you also have to take care of your body more. So if you're used to being on a regular program of getting adjusted maybe once every two weeks and that's like maintenance for a lot of people, you know, there may be a period of time where you need to go once a week, every week, or you might need to do twice a week for a period of time in order to help your body adapt to the additional strain that, that you're putting it through. So not only that, but like we haven't even talked about um, some of the supplementation that people can do to help increase their stamina and endurance and um, feed their cardiovascular system properly. So the, the number one set of vitamins that the heart needs in order to, to produce a strong muscle with a regular rate and rhythm and strong tone is whole food B vitamins. And I'm not talking about, you know, the synthetic stuff that's out there in like the CVS and the grocery stores and stuff like that. Like that stuff is, I'm sorry, it's just crap. That's but, five hour energy. And that shit has got to stop, stop drinking it. If uh, you no, drink that, done. Uh, the stimulant, stimulatory uh, B vitamins that are synthetic, Okay, the kind that are in most of those energy drinks and things that you can just get over the counter, like that's not what I'm talking about. Those are not good for the heart. Um, what I'm talking about is the nutrients that come from whole foods like liver and mushrooms mm -hmm. and nutritional yeast. Okay, nobody is even like putting nutritional yeast on their food, but that's a great source of vitamin B12. People would much rather like go to their doctor and get a synthetic B12 shot that does absolutely nothing for their body. And they think for whatever reason, oh, that's what I need to do to get energy. No, you need to feed yourself real B vitamins. And no one's really eating liver anymore, even though our grandparents used to do it all the time. So, um, you know, like if, if you're not willing to soak liver in fresh lemon juice to cut the cat food smell and then blend it up into like some good meatballs, then you need to be getting your liver powder in a, a standard process supplement, you know, that I know, you know, Dr. Bailey, that you carry and, and recommend to your clients and stuff like that. So uh, B vitamins, specifically Cataplex B and um, also Cataplex G that's in your Cardio Plus, like those are excellent supplements to anyone looking to train more cardiovascularly. And um, again, we hadn't even mentioned adaptogenic herbs that help support the body's natural response to stress and help tone and strengthen the adrenals. Um, and it's the adrenal glands that help keep us standing up, producing hormones so that we're happy and walking around and have uh, endurance to get through, you know, to get through the day with energy. So um, ashwagandha, eleuthero, tribulus, like um, adrenal extracts, like desiccated adrenal gland, like on its own, like there's so many wonderful things that we can do to help increase someone's energy and stamina if only they would come and ask 
for the help that we can give them. So I've asked, and that's exactly my protocol. Everything you've talked about is pretty much what I take, which is so funny. Even on the last uh, attempted podcast, there's air quotes. Right. You said all those things, and that's exactly what I was on um, with my new protocol. And when Bob tested me, all those things showed up for those unknown reasons. However, they're now known. It was the performance and the band of my body with training harder, working harder, more stress. Um, adrenal stress, which we've talked about in previous podcasts, is just real. Um, I was on the interstate over the weekend. Same thing. I mean, shit, when you're dealing with 285, which is like death corridor, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, at 80 miles an hour and people are swerving in and out of you, that's not stressing your adrenal system. Let's <laughs> let's, let's stop that. Because, I mean, it, that's, that's an everyday scenario for most people. But it doesn't have to be a trauma or an injury or some kind of like, like major, I don't know, illness. You know, we talk about nutritional deficiencies. You mentioned liver. Um, once or twice a month when I was a kid, I'd walk in the house after school and I was like, Sh -sh -sh, this is liver day. Mom, mom's soaking liver and it's about to go down and it's disgusting, but I got to eat it because that was what was on the plate. But now as an adult, I choose to take it and not eat it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that SP is big on. Um, and that was a rap that he uh, had, uh, David had, <laughs> that was funny, a cow jam. Yeah. So take it or eat it. And, and the reality is if you don't supplement, if you don't eat the things you should, supplement them. Whole food, natural. Um, I'm gonna plug SP. I was up at the farm a couple uh, weeks back and you wanna talk about an organic farm that's got it going on. Um, from harvest to supplementation, the shortest distance a mile away. And they like low temperature dehydrate things. They don't, they don't denature anything. It's not synthetic. Get away from that. Shit. Synthetics are not the same. Your body needs phytonutrients. It needs the fiber. It needs the, just the aspects of the whole food. And if you're not eating it, I'm sorry, which most of us think we are, but it's all genetically modified at the grocery store anyways. The apple I had the other day, it tasted nothing like an apple. It was fiber. It was somewhat sweet, and it was just wet in my mouth. It was weird. It was the weirdest apple I've ever had. But I finally feel like food is so genetically modified that you don't even taste an apple anymore. I mean, at the grocery store, that's not food. It's just like a shape, shape of an apple. Right. Right. You're so right. Uh, our food supply is um... – extremely depleted now compared to what it used to be. And even back in like 1938, you know, Congress was issued like um, a letter, you know, that was, you know, basically warning that our agricultural system was depleting um, the soils, you know, significantly. So for all this time, like the agricultural processes may have gotten more efficient, but the food that's produced has not become more nutritious. So, you know, we're talking quantity versus quality here. And so this, this is the reason why supplementation and targeted supplementation is so important. So like you mentioned uh, the need for magnesium, you know, our primary source of magnesium should be dark leafy greens, you know, kale, Swiss chard, you know, dark lettuces like that. And for whatever reason, like people just aren't consuming them, but they're very quick to go to the store and buy some kind of random calcium and magnesium powder off a shelf 
that, you know, maybe it's got magnesium oxide in it, which is a laxative not utilized by the body, calcium carbonate, might as well be eating rocks and shells for the, for as well as your stomach's going to be able to break that down. Like people just think, oh, I have to just buy some kind of nasty synthetic thing off the shelf. And you don't, you really just need to eat whole foods. And if that's difficult for you, then find a standard process practitioner who can recommend, um, you know, the right kind of supplementation that's actually made from nutritious food that you should be eating. You know, um, Dr. Bob and I went to the farm a few years ago and we were so struck by, by the color and the texture, like the depth of, of the dark, rich topsoil. It was amazing. Like it, it was amazing. I mean, you could just tell, like it smelled earthy and rich, like just like it's supposed to. You could just, you just know that it's teeming with life the kind of bacteria that are putting the nutrients into our food, you know, and they had like, um, gosh, they had like probably a whole miles worth of compost heaps, like steaming compost heaps that they turn every now and then, like just to degrade all of the waste products and to make their own natural fertilizer for the soils. And these things are going back into the crops. This is how to farm, you know, they rotate the crops, they confuse the insects. They don't need to use a lot of synthetic um, pesticides and herbicides and stuff like that. They just know how to farm. Um, it's an impressive operation. And that's really what sold us on the quality of these supplements. So. Oh, absolutely. When you're up there and you mentioned something that, you know, in we currently live in Southeast uh, America. The South here has clay and clay is foreign to me. Being from the Midwest of uh, Metro Detroit in Michigan, the soil there was super dark, super dense in a sense of nutrients, worms and every like scoop full of dirt. And yeah. here it's like a shovel and clay and it's like, there's nothing there. But the farm is up in Milwaukee, uh, about an hour and a half uh, north of Milwaukee. And when we went up there, it was so just different. It was like farmland, USA, uh, dairy farms, different kind of farms. But the idea that you described of this, this soil that has the nutrients, and that's what you can grow vegetables in any potted plant, any setup you want. But the idea behind the nutrients inside that fruit or vegetable is what's in the soil. So... When it comes to supplements and what we talk about with standard process, we're getting to the idea of that you're you're transferring nutrients from earth to the plant. And that comes from growing conservatively and not abusing it, not um, overstressing it. And when you look at the rotation of the crops, that they don't plant the same plant in one plot. I think it's like every eight years. So they have to rotate and in such a cycle that that same breed of plant won't grow in that soil uh, for, again, in eight years. So when you're constantly stressing soil, corn, potato, soy, mm -hmm. agriculture, agriculture, it's just it's depleting the same nutrients. Um, like we're talking about with sport, we're talking about with fitness and nutrition, same activities, same nutrients. So. So you've got to deal with a natural source of something that has 
your, your calcium, your magnesium, your trace minerals, your B vitamins, things that feed your heart, feed your VO2 max, like, like beetroots or uh, beets or, or greens. We talked about that with chlorophyll. I mean, there's so many natural alternatives. Don't depend on the store-bought stuff. I feel if you go natural, Claire would agree, you're going to probably win more medals. You're going to win more first place like she does, and she doesn't supplement that shit. So the reason I brought Claire on the line today was really simple. An elite athlete, in my eyes, somebody who's all natural, gets adjusted. Her husband's a chiropractor, a good friend of mine who – he has told me numerous times, my wife is the person to be out there. You know, it's not even a question of if she's going to win it. It's just how fast is she going to PR? And when you look at that mentality, it's not because she's trying to cheat. She's not taking the American Express out and swiping that credit card, borrowing all the energy for the next six weeks to win the race. She's got preparation. She's got the idea that to win a race, it starts weeks before. So let's talk about the weekend warriors and elite athletes. Start ahead, start often, get training. Don't just expect to do a quick fix, supplement, shake, whatever they're selling you, the starting line. Just don't do it. Um, I think that's going to hurt you in the long run. You're going to end up getting injured metabolically um, for sure, injured Soft tissue-wise, yes. You take nutrients out of those tissues, you're going to get injured more. More calf strains, more Achilles tears, um, more muscle strains throughout the body. And if you just quite simply just don't prepare ahead of time, calorically you're going to crash. You're going to have a miserable time. That bucket list century ride, you're going to just pull your bike over and just jump off and not have fun. So I want to do this. I'm going to just keep you guys posted. It's in a couple months. Claire is awesome. She's got so much knowledge. I want to connect my patients with her one-on-one. -on -one. If you're interested in sitting down with her and going over your nutrition goals, the things that Bob and Claire are going to offer to our practice virtually are really simple. Let's assess where you're at. Let's find out where your deficiency, deficiencies and weaknesses are. Those are things that we need to address first before we get into you know, what do you want to take or what do you think you need? Because the basic needs are the basic needs. So, Claire, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us this evening. Uh, I know listeners appreciate it. I appreciate it. And I'm really looking forward to your goals and uh, things you have on the uh, the other side of uh, this year. And I know you have some uh, sweet um, athletic goals, too, I'm sure, right? That's right. Always working to get better. <laughs> Absolutely. So thanks so much for having me, Dr. Jason. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Well, listen, thanks listeners for paying attention and giving us a try. Uh, this is episode number four. So if you've dig it, come along and you think this is something that your friends want to hear, pass along. But uh, please share. It's the kerosene that keeps my fire burning. Loving this. I'm having fun. Living the dream, as Bob would say. And just keep doing you. Oh, and I'll be with you. Darkest winter comes Oh, and I will be with you To feel the California sun Oh, and I will be with you